0: your scriptures and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, we'll be reading again this morning verses 1 to 16, our text this morning is Matthew 5 and verse 6. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, Is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you once again to return to this text and the red-letter words of the Lord Jesus. May the Spirit of God, the true Spirit of Christmas, open the eyes of our mutual understanding for both salvation and growth in the Lord today. Bless these, your people, in the study of thy scriptures, for we ask this in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, they shall be filled. Balut, have you ever heard of it? Balut, Orlin was a veteran missionary friend who had served many years in the Philippines, and he uh, was a missionary-turned-pastor in his senior years at the request of his sending church. He and his dear wife, Mabel, uh, befriended our young family when we were ministering many, many years ago out in Iowa. Uh, As Christmas approached, uh, I asked Orlin and Mabel what they were planning to eat on uh, Christmas Day for dinner, and Orlin said, balut, and he said it with a big old smile. Uh, The veteran missionary from the Philippines told me that he couldn't wait to sink his teeth into some rightly prepared balut. And, of course, I had no idea whatsoever as to what Balut was. And uh, based upon some of my former conversations with Orlin, I was almost afraid to ask. Uh, but uh, I did ask. And I found out that day that Balut is a fertilized and developing duck egg, lightly boiled or steamed and eaten right out from the shell. Now, I can tell you that you can call it eating, but it really involves a lot of slurping. And uh, actually, there's very little chew to it, if indeed it is rightly prepared. Uh, We received an invitation for Christmas dinner that year, and I said, no, thank you. I've never regretted that. <laughs> I, have, I don't have any qualms whatsoever about turning down that invitation, believe me. I say yes to duck hunting. Uh, I certainly have eaten roasted duck. But chewing on an unhatched duckling is no dinner for me, especially Christmas dinner. I have no natural taste nor desire for little ducklings in the egg. And I believe it, no great loss, to have missed that welcomed experience in the life of a veteran missionary from the Philippines. Food is a part of everything we do in celebration. And thereby, it is a part of the celebration of the period called the holidays. The Lord Jesus said something very important about food. Jesus said, labor not for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures unto everlasting life, which food the Son of Man shall give you. For him Hath God the Father sealed? John 6, verse 27. I have no natural taste or desire for balut. But I also have to be honest to say this morning that I have no natural taste or desire for righteousness. And neither do you. No natural taste, no natural desire for perfect righteousness as God is righteous. And yet we know that the lack of gifted experience in the food that is righteousness is indeed eternal loss. King Jesus said on the day of record Blessed are they which do hunger. And thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you do as I now do, then you know that God himself has gifted you with his eternal favor. All people do have a drive and desire for things to be right as they view right and fair. But the righteousness of verse 6 is the righteousness as God is righteous and as God, as a matter of fact, loves righteousness. God is righteous and God loves righteousness. The only thing that makes the truth of 5.6 palatable to any of us is that God, who alone is perfectly righteous, is able and willing to make righteous. On this day set aside to recall the incarnation, we make much ado over that one way in which God does make right. I still have no experience with Balut and have no plans whatsoever. And yet, thank God, and God is to be thanked, that I have experience in the food that results in everlasting life. And you can be sure of this. You can be sure of this. If you meet anybody who is starving for righteousness, you can be sure that God is to be glorified as the source for that appetite. Appetite for God and his righteousness is not natural to any human being since Adam, save one. And that one is the one who on this day of record said to the Jewish nation, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or filled, as it were. Now let's plug that information and this blessed beatitude into our little weekly outline uh, for analysis sake. And when we do, uh, think about the uniqueness of disposition and demand and then disclosure. We start with the truth that King Jesus possesses a righteous disposition and longs for righteousness on earth as it is in heaven. King Jesus is righteous as to his holy disposition, and he longs for righteousness on earth as it is in heaven. When you think about this time of year and you think about the season, it is imperative that as the children of God, we think right about it. We are quick to jump onto the thought that the Lord Jesus Christ had no earthly uh, father. We know and have recently studied in Matthew uh, chapter 1 that uh, it was the Holy Spirit of God that formed the reality of the human life of Jesus in the womb of Mary. Uh, Jesus, as to a man, had no earthly father. But it's also important that we remember that as to the Godhead, as to God the Son, who has always been, is, and always shall be, uh, it would be wrong to say that Mary was his mother. The common designation by the corrupted church. Mary, the mother of God, is not true. God has no mother. Mary is the human mother of Jesus, the Christ, the God-man, our Savior. Messianic prophecy is clear beyond shadow of doubt that the man of God's promise is righteous as God is righteous. Isaiah 11 and verse 4 tells us the Messiah, with righteousness shall judge the poor. And verse 5 says, righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Isaiah 40 and verse 11 further clarifies that when he shall come, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Clearer still was the succinct prophecy of Jeremiah, 600 years before the birth of Christ, as seen repeatedly, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 33, in which the Lord is called our righteousness and yields one of those Hebrew names for God that our children have recently studied Namely, Yahweh to Sidkenu. Let's take a look at that in Jeremiah and chapter twenty-three. Jeremiah and chapter twenty-three, five and six, are the verses of our prophetic interest this morning concerning the designation of Messiah as Yahweh to Sidkenu, which is by translation. The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice In the earth. Not only is this coming king a righteous branch, he is righteous, but he ministers judgment and justice. He ministers righteousness. He is righteous and he ministers righteousness. That is a clear messianic prophecy. Verse 6 In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called, Hebrew, Yahweh, Tisidkenu, English, the Lord, our righteousness. Now, if you think upon those verses and you meditate upon them and you take them devotionally for your own soul on this day, you will clearly be able to see three facets of righteousness. The righteousness which is the branch. He is righteous. The righteousness which the branch ministers. As that king ministers judgment and justice. Righteousness from God. And then his name reveals the truth most precious, and that is that this one who is righteous and ministers righteousness has become our righteousness. All the world's sin was placed on the righteous one. in order that you and I could know the reality of Christ as our righteousness. The Apostle John calls Jesus Christ the righteous. Though Jesus was shortly tempted of Satan, he sinned not. Scripture says of him, He sinned not, neither was any guile found in his mouth. Luke tells us that when the demons were confronted by the Lord Jesus, that those uh, evil spirits correctly referred to him as the Holy One of God. Luke also tells us of a big catch of fish upon the word of Jesus, after which Peter, seeing something of the stellar, pure righteousness of God in Christ, said to Jesus, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Likewise, Luke records Pilate's judicial finding of no fault. And Luke tells us of the centurion on duty at the cross who declared of Jesus, Certainly, this was a righteous man. In our complimentary study of Hebrews, we have read where God the Father says to God the Son, God the Father, speaking to God the Son. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The composite teaching of the entire New Testament is clearly saying that Jesus is the Christ and as such is righteous and that he judges righteously. And in fact, indeed, he has become the Lord, our righteousness. Furthermore, the ministry of God the Spirit convinces men of sin and of Christ's righteousness and of the judgment of the prince of this world. So says John chapter 16, 8 to 11. As the prophet Malachi forecast it, we know Jesus is the Son S-U-N, of righteousness, with healing in his wings. The disposition of Jesus, righteous. The ministry of Jesus, righteous. The result of Jesus' ministry, our righteous. The second thing that we want to draw upon in regards to our weekly outline has to do with the demand of the Lord Jesus. King Jesus clarifies the demand of God for citizens, kingdom citizens, that they must hunger and thirst after righteousness. Again, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they Shall be filled. Appetite and longing for God and His righteousness is at the core divine expectation placed upon sinful humanity. The demand of God upon all sinful humanity is righteousness. God demands it. Just within this messianic manifesto, as communicated, Jesus proclaimed that the righteousness of God's demand was greater than the righteousness that was commonly seen in religious people. Verse 20, we looked at that briefly a couple of weeks ago. And who among us has not been privy to the familiar words of Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God demands of all humanity a true and perfect righteousness. The question is, do people seek God and his righteousness? Do people seek God and his righteousness? It is God's demand. And it's God's demand not only upon the nation of Israel when Messiah uh, sat before them on the hilltop and presented the kingdom offer of that generation, a kingdom offer that the nation refused. But nonetheless, that same concept is to be taken in application, application to our own lives in this very day. God demands of all humanity a true and perfect righteousness. The disposition of Christ is that which launches the truth of God's demand as clarified. That brings us quickly to number three. King Jesus disclosed that to which a longing soul is going to be able to expect from God as a guarantee If, in fact, said righteousness is indeed possessed, and that is satisfaction of that desire. The blessedness is not found in hunger or thirst alone, but in the guarantee of satisfaction for those that do long after righteousness as God counts righteous. Jesus said, simply, for they Shall be filled. This satisfaction from God is not triggered by religious sentimentality, but by real spiritual hunger and thirst after God. As Jesus himself early on said it to the woman at the well Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Every Bible theologian knows that spiritual appetite itself is a gift of God. If a person wants God, if a person desires his righteousness. They shall surely get it and get it to the full. We are a generation that has taken this matter of seeking after God and it developed a whole class of people called seekers who are constantly seeking and never finding. The reality of God in life. And such a view is a real negative thought relative to the Almighty. And it is, a, it is a skate-by in regards to your thought of humanity. Because Jesus said, Jesus said, if anybody really wants God's righteousness, they can have it and they can have it to the full. So don't be talking to me about seeking people. Because if people seek God, they're going to find. But a lot of the seeking that we see in this day is really not after God at all. It is immediately difficult to think right and to think precisely about righteousness For the righteousness of man, of course, is unacceptable to an all-righteous God. People that are interviewed for television, a person that is being referenced by his family or friends, may well be referred to as a good guy or a good gal. But in the most recent news report I heard, the newscaster said, what will the jury say? Even in law, a good person is going to be evaluated by their peers. A person may have a reputation of good or righteous before men. But the newscaster said, what will the jury say? And the question that we ask is even greater than that. What will God say? What is true of me? What is actually true of you is what God says. Nothing more, nothing less. Scripture says, Bluntly, that all have sinned and come short of God's glory. It's easy for most people to engage in the thought that we are mentally short of God. You may know a lot of things or be considered smart or wise among men. But when held up to the standard of an all-knowing God, we know And I would say we all know that we come up short. But what is true mentally is likewise true morally. We all come up far short to the standard of righteousness that is revealed in God. The question might be asked, who considers you good and righteous? Do you understand that there's a great difference between your dog and God? You might be considered a good guy by your dog. That doesn't mean you're a good guy in the eyes of God. My righteousness may be good enough for my neighbor. I'm sure in my case it is. My righteousness might be good enough for my employer or my circle of family and friends. But I know that my righteousness, like yours, is far, far, far short of all righteous God sitting on the throne of heaven. I could have the thought of pursuing righteousness for myself like a dog goes after a bone. But I do know that that righteousness would not yield the blessedness of any real satisfaction. None of us can get up to God and that is why he brought down grace and truth to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The truth that we declare on this Christmas day is that the righteousness of God's demand is the righteousness that he provides in Jesus Christ. Here's the Christmas message. The truth we declare on this Christmas day is that the righteousness God demands is the righteousness he provides in Jesus Christ. Christmas is the provision of righteousness for us. The true spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit, and he teaches us that Jesus is the righteous ruler of promise. Scripture declares that he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God by him. Uh, Have you ever thought about this? Who is the single greatest sinner ever on the earth? Who is the single greatest sinner ever on the earth? Answer, Jesus Christ. He bore the sins of us all. And yet his name is Yahweh Tisidkenu. And we know that he is righteous. And we know that both the prophecy and the reality of fulfillment declares that he will work righteousness. But the most blessed thing of all is to realize that the Lord indeed is our Righteousness. Long ago, King David said of his king, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. Psalm 145 and verse 18. Thus, we read the angel's word to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, instructing that the child to be born should be named Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Saints of God for thousands of years have raised the warning of separating the truth of the cradle from the truth of the cross, and the truth of the cross from the truth of the crypt, and the truth of the crypt from the truth of the coming. We dare not think about incarnation, without thinking about crucifixion, without thinking about resurrection, without thinking about ascension, and without thinking about coronation. For he who came surely comes. In that passage of Scripture that I quoted early on from Matthew, I'm sorry, John chapter 6 and verse 27, Jesus said, labor not for the food which perishes, for that food which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Later on in that same text, John chapter 6, Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Both John chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 5, the Lord Jesus is speaking about your and my eternal Satisfaction in Him. Eternal satisfaction is found in and by Jesus Christ. Period. Only in Jesus Christ is eternal satisfaction to be found. One of the most popular prophetic verses of this holiday season is Isaiah 9-6. The first half of that 2,700-year-old prophecy reads, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. It is commonly thought that the reading of the child-born, son-given, government upon his shoulder, all refer to a similar period of time when, in fact, we as God's people know that the child-born is about the incarnation or about Christmas. And about 30 years later, the son was given in crucifixion. And believers have now, after resurrection and ascension, been waiting for some 2,000 years for the Son to be given at His coming again, His coronation in power and great glory. When He that came comes, then He will rule the nation as King of kings over the earthly Jewish empire of promise and prophecy. No single passage of Scripture better depicts the spirit of this season than Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because they shall be satisfied. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is this morning to point to the bright light of Christ and the satisfaction that we can have in the Savior and in Him alone. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He who is righteous and works righteousness in the earth has become our righteousness by faith in his blessed name. O God, we thank you. O God, we praise you. We pray that our response on this Christmas morning will be a fitting heart response unto thee, our God. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.